You're listening to the Wellest Life Podcast, and this is Brandy Andres. If I've learned one thing from speaking to all of the remarkable guests I've had on the show so far, it's that there truly is a symbiotic connection between people from all walks of life, animals from all corners of the world, and our beautiful planet. And if there's anything I can promise during my time while hosting the show, it's that I will do my very best to bring you the kind of thought-provoking conversations that I myself would want to hear. I am learning through this process and loving every minute of it. So I want to thank you for joining me on this journey, and I hope you enjoy the show. Well, hello there. Today's guest is a clean beauty consultant and an esthetician of 21 years. Her personal experience with breast cancer in 2015 completely changed the way she looked at everyday products, the kind that so many of us use and have used on our skin for many, many years. This awakening led her on a journey of deeper research and discovery into the harmful ingredients used by some of the most popular beauty and skincare brands of our time. That realization steered her to not only swapping out her own skincare routine for healthier alternatives, but also counseling her clients on the dangers of using toxic products in their everyday lives. She is also someone I call a friend who has been a wonderful confidant and motivator throughout my own clean beauty journey this past year. So without further ado, I would like to welcome Jenna Nielsen. Hi, Jenna. How are you? I'm good. How are you this morning? I'm doing wonderful, and it is an honor to have you on the show today. Thank you, Brandy, for having me today. I'm really excited for your podcast. I know you're going to do amazing things. Oh, thank you so much. I feel likewise, and uh, that's also the reason why I wanted to invite you on the show. But before we dive into all of the hardships that led you to where you are today, I really think it would be great to get a little bit of background on why you decided to go into the beauty and skincare industry and become an esthetician and maybe also help the listener understand what estheticians actually do. I always had really bad skin growing up. I had acne and probably at, I don't know, about the age of 15, my mom started taking me to an esthetician. And basically what they do is they give you facials. They have gone to school. You have to go to school and get training for it. You just don't go out there and start doing facials on people, although you can. But they, but you, you go through a whole training. You, you go to schooling. And I found a really good school in, in Southern California in Orange County, uh, researched it out. But I just thought, I don't want to just sell a product and not know about the skin, not know what, what our skin does, you know, why we break out, how to prevent breakouts, what to do when it's aging and, and, you know, things that we can do. So I wanted to educate myself, not just get out there and, and sell a product and go door to door. So I went to esthetician school and at esthetician school, they teach you everything. You learn all about the face. You learn about the structure of the face. You learn waxing. You learn a little bit of massage. 
And after that, I continued my education. I went to, I know I took a lot of classes from Dermalogica and there was other companies that I took classes at just to better myself and learn more about the skin. So yeah, that's what an esthetician does. You, you, the sky is the limit too with an esthetician license. You know, some are just on the selling end, which I've been on. Some of them do facials. Sometimes people can go to their local dermatologist and they'll have a medical esthetician there that has been trained. Usually it's a nurse to administer Botox and things like that. But basically that is what an esthetician does. You go to school, you go to training, they teach you all about the skin and you learn about the layers of the skin and how products are absorbed, all kinds of stuff. So, yeah. Now, of course, I've heard your testimony and we've had some really in-depth discussions about the dire effects of toxic ingredients in not only our skincare products, but also the household products we use. And your story has always been so inspiring to me in part because of the way you took action and made a choice to dig deeper into the potential causes of your breast cancer when you were diagnosed. So I'd love to have you share your journey, which led to where you are today. And from a professional standpoint, why the work you're doing now is so important to you and also to the people that you're trying to help. Uh, yes. My husband had just got laid off from his job. He worked in the oil industry for many, many years, and he just had a layoff. And we thought, well, why don't we get our physicals? You know, not thinking anything about it. Had my blood work done, and I thought, okay. And they said, well, you should get a mammogram. I hadn't had one. I think it was in five years. So I said, okay, go and do it. And yeah, two days before Christmas, they had called me and said they saw something on my mammogram, and they wanted me to come in. So really, yeah, that started my journey 2015, two days before Christmas, and it was devastating. It was really devastating, but I really think because of my faith in God and good friends, and like you said, it really took me on a journey. It's been an amazing journey. It's something that you don't want, but I will tell you, sometimes those things that seem the hardest in our life become the greatest. And it's just kind of catapulted me into being more of an educator and to help other people on their journey. So when you went through this experience, you started looking into your skincare and beauty products. But what is it that made you think that was possibly the direction to take to try to figure out what may have either caused the cancer or at least how you could fight it and beat the illness. Sure. Well, like you said, I've been an esthetician over 20 years. And when I first became an esthetician, I always took pride in education, you know, looked for skincare that was good ingredients, performed well, and had my own skincare line for many years, had a wonderful manufacturing company that I worked with. But when I got the breast cancer, and I, I will tell you, Brandy, when you go to school, they don't teach you about ingredients. They may hit on it a little bit, and maybe now they're getting a little more concerned about ingredients. I've seen the industry change over the years, and basically it's been because of the consumers. So myself as a consumer and a breast cancer victim at that time, I just thought, boy, you know, I kept hearing about ingredients. So I started really researching going to environmental working group, going to all these other websites that talked about ingredients and endocrine disruptors. And I found out that some of the things that was in our ingredients could possibly be an endocrine disruptor and cause breast cancer. Now, do I say that that caused my breast cancer? I don't know. But if there's even an if, 
I wanted to look at it. So it took me on a journey of about four years, just, I mean, really engulfing myself in ingredients and what they can do to our body, what they do to our environment as well. And yeah, it's been an amazing journey. But once I found out there was ingredients that could possibly cause breast cancer, I thought, okay, number one, I don't want that for any of my family, any of my friends, my clients, or for myself. So what seemed like something devastating really has turned into something amazing. And I I just think, too, that we should constantly be learners, constantly learning. Like I said, when you go to esthetician school, you learn so much and that's it. I think the education really starts after your schooling with continue ed. It's just like a doctor. You know, I have an integrative doctor who when she went to school, she learned all the stuff that she needed to do. But afterwards, she kept learning. And that, that's what I've been doing. I've been, you know, just engulfing myself and in, in learning about ingredients. And you ask about how I got into clean beauty. My mom was a, a health nut and a health freak and into, you know, clean beauty back in the day. But back then, a lot of the stuff they had out didn't perform very well. So I was looking for ingredients, looking for products that performed well. That the ingredients were top-notch, and I knew that they weren't harmful to my body. So, You mentioned endocrine disruptor. Can you break down what that means for those listening who might not be familiar with the term? Yes, absolutely. Endocrine disruptors are found in products that we use, and we use products all day long, from the time we get up to the time we go to bed, parabens. And what they do is like in my case, my breast cancer was invasive ductal carcinoma. It was estrogen dominant. And a lot of the products that we use have parabens in it, or I should say that I used to use and people should not use anymore, but have parabens in it and have chemicals in it that can mimic like estrogen, but bad estrogen. In our bodies, we have the good estrogen and we're supposed to have estrogen to keep our bodies healthy, to keep our bones strong. But even, and I'm kind of going off the subject, but even with the plastics that we use all the time, they can mimic endocrine disruptors, which can increase our estrogen level, which can cause, possibly cause breast cancer. Wow. So I'm curious to know what you'd recommend is the easiest way for people to begin looking into the ingredients that are in their skincare products. Because like you said, there are new ingredients that we're just learning about. And there's so much information out there to absorb. So from your personal and professional experience, where should people begin to seek out the information to protect ourselves against these unhealthy ingredients? It's a loaded question and there's a lot more, but that's why I tell people, search your ingredients, find out, you know, look, go to environmental working group, go to uh, safe chemistry for today and check those ingredients out and they'll let you know if it is an endocrine disruptor. Like for example, I, I had a sunscreen that I was using and it had an ingredient in it. It's oxidate. I think I'm saying that correct, but it's an endocrine disruptor, which can actually increase your estrogen, bad estrogen, which can be possibly linked to breast cancer. That's awful. And you've also given some great advice. Now, of course, the Environmental Working Group is one of the best and most reliable sources of information for skincare. 
with their ever-growing skin-deep database, which I know you and I have both discussed and use frequently, as well as their guide to healthy cleaning and also their tap water databases. They really do amazing work to inform the public about the harmful effects of toxins. But another thing that came to mind is there's also a concern that if someone who's new to learning about clean beauty does a simple internet search, they may also come across articles listing products that are claiming to be clean, quote unquote clean, or non-toxic, but really aren't. So how would you recommend that people at least filter through all of the so-called greenwashing that's very prominent in the beauty industry today? That's a really, really good question. First off, like I tell people, don't throw out everything that you have. So I tell them to just look up, even looking up the word clean beauty products, going to environmental working group because they've done a great job and they're still continuing to do that. They will rate a product on a scale. I think it's one to 10. They have a section on their website that is skin deep and that talks about personal care products from makeup to skincare hair care, everything that we use from toothpaste to mouthwash. And uh, also there's the Think Dirty app and it will rate on there how clean the product is. That's two ways of doing it. You know, if you want to take it a step further, go to, I think it's PubMed, that really extensive. But for somebody just starting out, look at a product, look at their ingredients, probably about the first few ingredients we're more concerned with than the last. Of course, you want all clean ingredients. But I always say research is the best thing. Also, there, there is stores out there. We do have clean beauty stores like the Detox Market up in LA, Roots Beauty Underground in Laguna Beach that they've already done their homework. And might I interject that you are a clean beauty consultant and people can, of course, reach out to you through your Instagram account at Jen Rose Organic, J-E-N R-O-S-E, organic. And then also, as you know, I myself am starting a new sustainable lifestyle marketplace with clean beauty products and also non-toxic household essentials. But I digress. So please continue sharing your recommendations and the ways in which you are helping others. Well, actually, right now I'm helping people. Sometimes people come to me, maybe they've had breast cancer. Maybe they just want to clean up their makeup. I get people that will come to me and say, you know, I'm using this, this, and that. And I know you're going to tell me it's not clean beauty. And I always tell people, you know what, there's no judgment. You know, we're going to use some things that are toxic in our lives. But you as a person have to make that decision. What do I want out of my life? What toxins do I want out? And some people will come to me and say, you know, I want to try a new foundation. I always tell people, keep what you have use it. And this is just my opinion, finish it. Now for me, when I got the breast cancer, I have to be really honest. I didn't finish most of it. I kept it there for like two years, looked at it, almost had an unhealthy relationship with it, you know, hated my products because I thought you did this to me. But the reality is, you know, we are on a journey in life. And I think that the more we learn, I always tell people, don't trust what I say, take what I say and go do your own little research. But I tell people, take one product out of your makeup kit. Maybe it's something that's a little bit older. Maybe it's your mascara. 
and do a little research for products. And like I said, we have so many resources. You can go to Environmental Working Group. I've already done the homework for a lot of my clients, so they'll come to me and say, hey, can you recommend, I want to switch out my mascara. Can you recommend a mascara? And I will. I'll ask them, what are you looking for? You know, you're looking for thickness or length and there's so many good companies out there so I've, I've already done a lot of the homework but once again I tell people don't trust me you do your own homework switch out one thing maybe it's your mascara maybe it's your foundation and then maybe you want to go on to your eye makeup skincare baby steps that's what I tell people and then there's others who say I just want to get rid of everything I don't recommend that but if someone does you know that that's kind of what I do as a, a green beauty consultant I will help people to get rid of their old products and to replace it with clean, non-toxic beauty. But I always say take one thing at a time. It's interesting mentioning that you advise people not to get rid of all of their beauty products when they want to switch over to clean beauty kind of reminds me of the sustainable factor that a lot of uh, brands in the beauty industry are leaning toward these days. What do you think about that? Yeah, you know, the packaging that the clean beauty industry has changed. I never thought about it. You know, just like I said back in the past, I didn't think a whole lot about ingredients, you know, or I looked at ingredients and thought, oh, it's got lavender in it, you know, it's got this or that. But where are they getting that lavender from and, and how is it sourced? But even back to the packaging, you know, you, you just think, um, you look at our landfills and that it really breaks my heart when I see that. And also, if you want to recycle, you can go to places like, I believe, Detox Market has it, Roots has it, can bring it there and um, drop it off. So for the environment, that has really been something that I've been passionate about. So that's just one thing. Yes. Sustainable, biodegradable, recycled packaging is extremely important. Also, the decreased use of single-use plastics is really important. And maintaining a smaller footprint for production in the supply chain from start to finish. I recently had a conversation about fair trade, which all ties into this conversation. And another topic that has become much more important in both of these industries and, of course, is very important to me. And I know uh, in speaking with you before, it's important to you is the care and well-being of animals. Every product that I use, I will tell you, they do no testing on animals. Actually, even back before I got the breast cancer, that was always a priority of mine. I, I mean, I would go into the malls and ask them at you know the counters, you know, do you do animal testing? And some of them would say no. Some of them would hesitantly say no. So, like I, like I said, I'm one of those researchers, so I always take it an extra mile. Would go to their website, go to their company to see if they really you know, did not do any animal testing. But yeah, all the products I use, no animal testing. Some are vegan, some are not offhand. I, I couldn't remember all the names of the products, which are, but those those are concerns, especially the animal testing. I, I don't want any products that have had animal testing done. Yes. And unfortunately, there are no set standards devised by the government to define the meaning behind cruelty-free and not tested on animals labeling. So what we find are brands self-governing, which of course is not great, but there are thankfully some great programs and organizations that offer certifications for brands who 
want to go that extra mile to ensure consumers know they're being true to their messaging, such as the Leaping Bunny program. And there are also databases like PETA's Beauty Without Bunnies and Cruelty Free International, both of which I'll add to the show notes. But while the state we live in made a big leap, no pun intended, enacting the Humane Cosmetics Act of California, which bans the sale of cosmetics tested on animals, there are currently no federal regulations protecting animals from the unusually cruel and frankly disgusting tests I've read about. And I think people would be surprised to hear many of the tests are done also on dogs and cats. Yes. Well, for me personally and for my clients, It's huge because here in the United, and I'm talking just in the United States, if you look at other countries in Europe and in other places that they they have regulations, but here in the United States, we have not had any regulations on our ingredients and personal care products. And I don't know about anyone else, but I want that because we have so many toxic ingredients. I mean, I just heard a story, it was about a year ago, maybe less than a year some children had gone to a local store where they have all kinds of, you know, ribbons and bows for their hair. It's a store that they have children's cosmetics that they can get and play with in there. And they found out there was some very toxic stuff in there. I mean, very, very bad stuff. That should never happen. Should never happen. Yep. I learned of that story as well. And I know that the Environmental Working Group has in many ways led the charge for these acts. In fact, on September 30th, the Toxic Free Cosmetics Act was signed into law in California as well, which bans 24 ingredients from beauty and personal care products. And that goes into effect January 2025. So there are some ways in which we're we're moving forward but it's not enough to go just at the state level. We have to, to make this something that's safe for everyone across the United States. Is that too much to ask? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that con- we as consumers are becoming more savvy. We're doing our own research. I'm concerned what I put on my body because 80% of what we put on our body is absorbed into our skin. So that, that's, that's huge. That, that's uh, hopefully a milestone for us. Yes, I agree. And before we wrap up, I want to make sure that we go over some tips on how to care for the clean beauty and skincare products that you're recommending people try and maybe how different the shelf life is since the ingredients are considered natural rather than synthetic they uh, need to be taken care of in a different way than than the traditional products that uh, many of us are used to. Well, I recommend people to not keep them for five or eight years or more, but a lot of times, most of the companies, and I'm talking skincare, they'll have an expiration date on there. They'll give an expiration date. Usually with skincare, it's about a year. And I will touch on the fact, a lot of times within more natural organic companies, People will say, well, how are they going to survive the shelf life if they're not putting preservatives in it? Because you need preservatives to, for your product to survive the shelf life. And yes, that is true. But what a lot of our uh, clean beauty and, and natural skincare products, they find alternative preservatives. So they do have preservatives in there sometimes that they're cleaner and they're not toxic. But like I say, a lot of the companies will have an expiration date on there as far as makeup. 
Oh, goodness. Some makeup. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, I have had an, some RMS uh, makeup right now for maybe two years, and it's still amazing, but it's not rancid. It doesn't smell. But especially with mascara, a lot of people tend to keep their mascara for a long time, but I say six months. Check that baby out. Toss it. Get a new one. Smell your product. Make sure it's not rancid. And use your products, you know, and, and that's why I tell people don't go and buy a whole bunch of products and you know you're not going to use them. Just if you're switching over, you want to just change something up, even with your skincare. Maybe you want to get a good moisturizer, you know, you want to change. Maybe you've got your other stuff that you know is more conventional, but you want to change something. Get a good moisturizer, you know, and but yeah, we want to check our products. Usually the shelf life, it depends from company to company what the shelf life is. But usually it's about a year. But with your mascara, I'd say every six months, check that and, and um, toss it and get a new one. Well, thank you so much, Jenna. It has been such a pleasure to speak with you, as always. But today, particularly about the importance of caring for our health by paying attention to the kind of products and ingredients we put on our skin. So I I really appreciate your time and thank you. Thank you, Brandy. Thank you. It was a pleasure and I'm really excited for your podcast and what you're doing. And yes, if anyone wants to get a hold of me, I'm at Jen Rose Organic and I can help you swap out your stuff. I can give you beauty consultant advice. So I am here for you. Thank you, Brandy. How great was that conversation with clean beauty consultant and esthetician Jenna Nielsen? We covered a good amount of information today, but I know we could have talked for another hour and probably have before going over all of the research and data and regulation needs in the personal care and beauty industries. She really has some helpful insights into some amazing brands and products as well. So please do look her up on Instagram at Jen Rose Organic, because I know she will be thrilled to chat with you. So until next time, I wish you the wellest life.